Ergo. I'm Daniel Bowden Kisslinger. I'm Damon Alexander Williams. Bowden's new. I, I didn't think I knew that. Well, if you listen to the podcast, Damon actually doesn't listen to any podcast. <laughs> Including I've, our own. I've said my middle name the last two weeks, and he's just. And I was here for that. I don't know what's up. But I'm, what's up? Go ahead. Well, we're here, though, and we're very excited to be back on WHPK 885, WHPK.org, I came up with a new tagline. I don't like it. I'm gonna use it anyway. Ergo worldwide from Siberia to Nigeria. Ah, uh-uh. No. No, 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 no. See, this is why if you get here earlier, then we can talk over these things before the show. Anyway, <laughs> we're very excited to be here. We have a very special guest who I will bring in in one sec. But I wanted to quick give a plug for some exciting stuff we got coming up. Damon, I think even though you don't listen, you might know about this. We go. Yeah. I'm in the loop on this one. Oh, I'm glad. <laughs> Next Saturday, November 14th, we are doing our first live Chicago showcase and celebration at the Silver Room. It's going to be a live performance featuring so many of the amazing voices you've heard here on the show over the last 16 weeks. Um, I'll give you the whole list at the end, but just go back in the archives and pretty much all of them are going to be there performing together, jamming out, sharing some ideas, some music, some musings, some words. It's free. It's all ages at the Silver Room, 730, November 14th. Put it on the calendar now. You excited, Dame? I'm super excited, man. I hope everybody in the world, everybody listening, everybody I know, my mama and her friends are all making that move. Oh, I like that. Because uh, it's super exciting and we're doing something new. Uh, you know, there's going to be performances in the typical show style, but there's also going to be live art. There's going to be live music. And I'm really excited um, to bring what our show has been to life, uh, kind of an intersection of culture and, and social and political organizing. Um, so there's also going to be opportunities for people to connect um, with some of the organizations doing important work in the city and also support with their dollars or their bodies. But let's get to today because I am excited. Okay, you want to bring her in? Man, here we got <laughs> the stellar, amazing, one of my favorite people, uh, painter, poet, and she's not going to claim it, but expert hair braider. <laughs> we got Kush Thompson in the building. Hey, Kush, how you doing? Hey, they're going crazy at home, like always. <laughs> so I think we always like to get started with like, how are you? We rode together, so I got a little bit of a preview. But how are you today? How are you this week? How is the world treating you? How are you treating it? I'm just peachy. I'm just, I'm just trying to live. That's all. I once had someone say to me that they were peachy keen jelly bean. Oh, man. You're on a roll today. <laughs> <laughs> Look, 0 for 2. I'm going to keep throwing them out we, there. We we'll... took a week off. You're a little, you're a little rusty, but we're we going to get it back, y'all. <laughs> We're strong here. Strong Young Voices, Ergo 88.5. So, Kush, uh, let's start with that. Let's start Let's start with the, the uh, uh, amazing name. I actually oh learned, <laughs> once I first like became aware of you, I was like, she seems pretty smart. I'm pretty sure, right, before I make the corny joke, <laughs> there has to be something to this name, right? And from that, yeah. I learned of the African kingdom. So, like, 
how did yeah. Kush become Kush? And right. explain, like, get, let me get, like, the two lamest, like, Wiz Khalifa weed jokes that people have hit you with when they know oh your name. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Kush is a very long story. Um, Kush started because it sounds a lot like my real name, which I'm not going to put myself on blast about, <laughs> but my name is now legally Kush. Um, Respect on that. I saw that. I saw you got your papers. <laughs> you so. filled out the paperwork. I and everything. did fill out That's the paperwork. So How much did that like cost? Oh like, my what God. Did you I'm not even done paying for that. Oh, but that man. was like a good half a stack. Really? So yeah. for those out there who trying to change <laughs> their mama's given name. Don't do it. It's an investment. <laughs> what, are, what are you trying to change your name to? Name you got one? Like what's the name you've always like wished you were called? I think <laughs> what I would do is add a name before my name. Uh and like be actually it's kind of like some of my grandfather's name like william or billy so now i could be billy d williams oh i'm gone i'm gone i like you just had that we hadn't talked about that before you I just literally had that like just came up no. this like two days ago Don't. i saw billy billy d williams on martin i'm like oh yeah. Oh, I got something here. Chris had to put the kibosh on that. So back to the, the better name. So so give us a little bit of the history. Educate the people as you did me. <laughs> oh my God. Word. So Kush is an ancient African empire that is now called Nubia, um, as we all know. And um, an interesting thing that I found out that made me even more attached to the name Kush is that it translates into land of gold. Oh, wow. And at the time, like, gold was, like, my spirit color. And so that was, like, this is, like, meant to be. Living a life like it's gold. Living a life like <laughs> That was, like, a quote in my yearbook page. That, was that, living... that, that Jill Scott song. So I, I feel you on the gold, <laughs> sister. <laughs> you said that, that at the time was your spirit color. Has that changed? No, no. But, like, at the time, like, I didn't know too much about Kush, except that it was an ancient African empire and mm. that it translated into land of gold. Um, so when I heard that, I was like, wow. Yeah. So, you know, when we're getting ready uh, um, to do this show. I'm, when I think of you, I think like composed, like you carry yourself with this like composure and these deliberate steps. Basically what I'm saying is you wake up flawless with your pink hair. <laughs> uh, and the, the pink hair as part of that becoming a, a bit of a trademark at least, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. before we go back to the bio and all that, how'd the pink hair happen? Oh, I like that story. <laughs> um, so I wanted pink hair. Like I wanted a different color of hair. Um, but I had never seen any dark skinned girls with pink hair. So mm. it was very discouraging at first. Like I really loved the color. I knew where to get the hair. Um, but I was just too afraid to try it. And so like any other alternative black girl, I went on Tumblr <laughs> and <True>. tried to <laughs> find some support. Couldn't really find it. Like all the girls with pink hair. Even on Tumblr? Even on Tumblr. Like they were all light skinned. And so oh, wow. that was even more discouraging was like, I can get this and I can look dumb. I can look like a clown. Um, but then that was like even more reason to do it was because maybe there's not a lot of dark skinned girls with pink hair because they can't find anybody to validate them doing that. Um, so I was like, I can't live like that. I just got to do it, word, especially word. if there's somebody else looking for a resource or somebody to inspire them to do that. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. I, I think I think the pink hair gets a lot of attention, but from the first time I saw it, I feel like the underplayed, underappreciated aspect is the baby hair <laughs> that <laughs> that comes with the pink hair. It's you not it's not know. just the braids, you, you know what I'm saying? Know. Like you are killing the game. We we just gonna like gas you up for the first ten minutes before we get anything real. Because people at home are missing how raw you are just in, in the flesh right now. 
Yeah, no, it, it's real. It, you got like a like a baby hair underground, and then like the pink hair mainstream <laughs> balancing act. It, you're navigating that world like better than anyone. It's amazing. I, I work hard on this, y'all. Oh, and I know, <laughs> I know part of what makes that you know, for, for for you that that being something that people are looking, you know, as part of like a trademark of sorts. Seeing, you know, I've seen a lot of your visual art recently, mm-hmm. and seeing this character with pink hair in there as well. Yeah. First of all. The pieces are incredible, Thank and you. we're excited about hopefully having an opportunity to show some of them at the live event, oh, yeah. um, November fourteenth at the Silver Room. Oh, oh, the yeah. plug! <laughs> so smooth. Um, but yeah, no, it's real. <laughs> <laughs> but for you, that character um, who's in those visual pieces—how mm-hmm. autobiographical, semi-autobiographical—is that person for you? Yeah. Um, right now, I'm working on pieces where they're all black cartoon characters. I'm particularly dark-skinned cartoon characters um, with pink hair. So um, for me, like, it just made me even more, I guess, passionate about why I'm so adamant about keeping my hair pink is that especially for this LaShawn character that I'm working on and for the Dijonet character that I'm working on, um, like, in the shows that they're in, like, they're not really seen as feminine. Like, they're dark-skinned and they're loud and they're angry. Um, but the pink hair sort of softens them. And I feel like that's a trope that dark-skinned women really carry is that we're not seen as like the most feminine out of black women. And you mentioned these character names. Where are these characters coming from? Yeah. Um, So I'm working on characters that come from like pop culture, that come from Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network and all the things that I grew up with. Um, So I have a Susie Carmichael. I have Dijanae Jones from The Proud Family. And I have LaShawn from Bebe's Kids. What a like, what a like great <laughs> aesthetic, man. Like them joints are so popping, and, and I think this is what's really interesting, or kind of like speaks to kind of how amazing you are, right? Like we're in the car. I'm like, so how long, <laughs> how long have you been doing this? You know what I'm saying? And she's like, oh, never. Like I just, <laughs> I just, I, I doodled like everyone else, and like you just up in one day, like yeah. have this collection. Like it's not even, it wasn't just like one thing. No, like there's very it was supposed cohesive. to stop at Susie. <laughs> And just it can't yeah. stop though. They're but, so good. Yeah, but can can you speak a little bit to like yeah. th- that process that you were kind of explaining on like one the desire to like see something that didn't exist mm-hmm. and then the courage yeah. on how like you took that step and like how you're just like in it now like full yeah. fledged. It's been a few months and now everybody's hitting you up trying to buy your joints. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Myself included. Let's talk. <laughs> oh my god! I'm so I'm so. I mean, wow. literally, like physically, <laughs> when did you start picking up a paintbrush? Yeah. Or, you know, all that work. Um, it all started because I really wanted to have a black cartoon character with pink hair on my apartment wall. Period. Yeah. <laughs> I was on Tumblr. I saw an image of Susie Carmichael. Um, she was sort of giving a side eye. And I was like, this is me. This is who I really am. And so I wanted it on my wall. And uh, I was like, it'd be really dope if somebody could paint this or if I could just print this and turn it into a canvas and just hang it up. Um, but I passed the Blick art store one day and I was like, actually, what if I just painted this? Shout out to Blick. <laughs> Shout out to Blick. They're so tired of seeing me now. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much how it was. And then that that's so amazing though, to be able to say like, this is a thing that I want to be in the world and mm-hmm. it doesn't exist. So let me just make it. Yeah. And I think like, it sounds so easy and understated, but for, in so many instances, that's such a hard, like, uh, step to take. Yeah. Is that something that whether it's in different mediums, writing or just like in the world, like mm-hmm. how did you become comfortable 
creating the things that you wanted to see. Right, like that's courageous. Like, where, where did that bravery <laughs> come from, for real? Oh, we like God. you, by the way. We think you're really good. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh God. Um, yeah. So this thing, it's really about like audacity over talent. Like at the end of the day, yeah. was that I had never really painted anything before. Like I had doodled. Um, like any, like anybody else in the world. Um, but I didn't think I had any real talent. So like the idea never hit me until I was passing the Blick Art Store. Like, I want this to happen. I don't have the money to pay somebody to do this for me. What if I just try to do it myself? And so ever since then, it's been like, if I want something to happen, even if I'm not gifted at it necessarily, like it's all about being brave enough to start. It's all about having the audacity to do it. That's what's up. I, I like yeah. that, like the, the audaciousness. Has that has that transferred anything else since, or has this been like a product of a previous practice? Like, in what other ways besides painting have mm -hmm. you like wanted something? So you're like, I'm just gonna do yeah. it. Um, I mean, just in like other ways. So like, I'm also a poet. Um, and like, there's leaps that I take in my writing, um, that I've never done before. So now it's just like every time I'm second guessing myself, or like I've never seen this happen before. Can this really work? It's like, if you have the audacity to do it, it will work, you know, and it doesn't matter if you've done it before or if you've seen it done before. If you have the audacity to do it, do that shit. Like, Very cool. We do have to keep it clean, though. Yeah. <laughs> That's no, okay. We have, we have beef with the FCC. I, li I, like, I like having at least one, one per episode. <laughs> so we got it in early, 13 minutes in. There we go. <laughs> We're going to give you a second to catch your breath. Damon, yeah. give you a sec as well, because I know you sprinted from a semi-legal parking spot. Not to put no, your business on. No, what? No. You know, no, they know my car, man. Don't, don't, tell them, don't tell them I'm hanging off here. It's a bright red Chevy Camaro. No, it's not at all. Um, but we'll let's play a song. Last night I was fortunate enough to see one of my favorite artists who I haven't seen in a minute perform at the Metro. Um, and I just, I love the energy he brings. Big Crit here with his single featuring Rafael Sadiq. Here's Soul Food. What happened to the Soul Food? Habit to the soul food. I'm talking good eating, good season. Out in this world, just trying to make it. Everything I see, sometimes I can't take it. But damn, I really miss those times. That soul food's on my mind. Usher Sunday mornings now before Sunday school. I hustle and I'm on it. I can't slow down now. A dollar and a dream in this life you live. You either the dealer or the bean leaning horizontal. The acrobats on the cone and they flip. So when them white men pull up, shouted we dip. Out of view, could have been a track star at the school, but it took the police just to get that fofo out of you. Dash, sprint, hurt. Over those steel gates They keep us in and keep folk out But we don't feel safe As we used to back when we was in a booster Watching our uncles drink coolers Talking pie for pie losers over real bones Now it's sideways told How did Bobby Johnson hold it? Pull the trigger till the clip gone Potato tip, no potato salad That American pie ain't even snapping Out of in this world Just trying to make it Everything I see Sometimes I can't take it Damn, I really miss those times. Oh, 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 oh. That soul moves on my mind.
soul, they say. Some greens just can't be cleaning. You can't wash out the taste of rotten fruits. Salted looks and herbs. If it ain't made with love, then it ain't fit to suck. I heard. Some come bruised and battered. Thrown away, half eaten as if they seized. Never ever mattered. It ain't ripe, it ain't right. That's why most people don't make love no more. They just fucking, they fight. What happened to the stay togethers? Yeah, I'm witching and that means forever. Grandparents had that kind of bond, but now we on some other shit. Nah, we ain't got no rubbers here. I know she creeping, so that ain't my son. Apples fall off the of trees and roll down hills. We can't play games no more, cause we got bills. Back in the day, the yard was oh so filled. Now nobody comes around here. Out of in this world. Just trying to make it. Everything I see. Sometimes I can't take it. But damn, I really miss those times. That song goes on my mind. My, my, my. Never it be no soul food on my plate. We gather round in line, bow our heads and pray. And I, I still remember the family parties, the happy faces, no broken hearts. Nobody's starving, but all that there is old news. What happened to the soul food? This is 88.5 FM. You are listening to Ergo on this Thursday afternoon. And we are here with the amazing Kush Thompson, poet, painter, and organizer, which we did not mention up top. Uh, so I think we're going we're gonna to take it back, right? We're going go to bring it to the tippy. Uh... <laughs> I don't know. I heard that for some. I didn't just make that up. No, uh, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're not. You're not a. You're not born here. You're not born in this city. I hey, you moved was here. Born here. You were born here. <laughs> oh my bad. My bad. See, my this bad. is why it's good that we talk about bios and get into people's backstory because you got to set set everybody right here. Where uh, Where did you grow up? Where were you born? Where do you stay? Would I stay? <laughs> Got a little personal there. Back to okay. Let's start oh, with the first one. Nah. Where were you born? Uh, I was born here on the west side, um, and then we moved to Southern California. Um, this little notoriously racist Victorian suburb called Redlands, California. Um, so I lived there for the next ten years. Sounds like fun. Yeah, so ever so much fun. <laughs> you know, I had a really good childhood. Like I have no real complaints. So. Yeah, moved back to the west side when I was 12. Mm. And uh, now I live on the south side. How sadly. We... <laughs> sadly. Hold on. Um, with us, I huh? said sadly. Oh, no. <laughs> wow. wow. Now, South Shore is beautiful. <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm playing. <laughs> so you made that move out there and then back. Um, what's your family like? Who was in the house growing up? Yeah. Um, I grew up with uh, my mama. And my two sisters, my little brother, and about five to six to seven nieces and nephews. Ooh, right. So that means you're not the oldest? <laughs> I'm not the oldest of my mama's kids. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but I was raised with my nieces and nephews, so it was always a big house. Mm. Yeah. So in that town in California, where's like a, or I guess here in the city as well, Here, where's mm-hmm. like a personal landmark for you? Like somewhere that mm. like is not in the, you know, the tourist books are, but like a spot when you think of home, like a physical place that for you stands tall. Oh, hmm. I think that, well, there's so many landmarks, you know, Young Chicago Authors was a place where I got introduced to the kind of poetry I do now, um, where I got introduced to my career. Um, so that's obviously a landmark. Um, but I think 
a slept on landmark is this apartment building that was down the street from the spot where I grew up in. And uh, on the stoop of that apartment building is where my best friend pierced my septum. Oh, <laughs> like just raw, like stuck a needle through my septum. <laughs> and so there was blood all over uh, that step. <laughs> by choice or like by choice, by choice, <laughs> by choice. <laughs> that's um, but that's a landmark. <laughs> she had to walk by and just grab your nose every time. <laughs> so, so we don't have that piercing no more? Did, did, did it no, make it? Uh, no, uh, I take pride in it, though. I was like one of the OGs with a septum before everybody else got him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like 15. Oh, that's so. way back in the day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you were already on the next one by then, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty so much. When you came back to the city, uh, you said when you were 12, right? Mm -hmm. uh, what do you remember like the harder parts of that transition mm -hmm. to the city, the places or the, the, the aspects of the city that felt most challenging for you to kind of slide into? Yeah. Um, I think the hardest part was that I had a really thick Valley Girl accent. And so I was teased pretty badly. Um, when I got here and had to go to school with all the hood kids and like I just wanted to be a hood kid but I had a valley girl <laughs> too, accent too many likes so it couldn't and happen. oh my gods couldn't happen <laughs> um yeah too many likes too many oh my gods too many pulling my hair behind my ear like I was white um so it was really hard <laughs> but I survived did yeah. you remember like making a concerted effort to learn those things in California or is it just like that like had you had to do the work of learning how to do those things purposely and then have to unlearn it when you got here um, no, I think I was just a product of my environment. Like I lived in a suburb. Um, it was multicultural, but you know, multicultural suburbs just means that everybody's white in a different skin tone. Um, so, yeah. So, <laughs> at, at, so at, at what point would you say you begin to like reconcile that like pool of identity, right? Cause you, you, you have such a poise about you, <laughs> such a like there seems to be such a confidence in self. So like, how did that process start? At what point in girlhood did like you start to be like, all right, now nah, I got it. Oh, I don't know. That was a really long process. I think, I don't know. I don't even think like I really got to know my blackness until I started going natural, until I started, you know, going to school um, through metal detectors and like having to really see how life was different and how privileged I was. Um, I think that's when I sort of found the, the medium in my identity. When did you start writing about that? Uh, um, just recently. <laughs> Actually, when, when did you become yeah. a trained opera singer? Is really my question. Also, also, as we get into the writing question, can you? What, what high school did you go to? I went to Orr High School okay, um, for most so. of my. High school years. Word, word, so. word. All right. Now, like, when did you start to put some of these thoughts uh, that you were having down on paper? How did that happen? Yeah, that come I think about? it definitely happened at or. Um, like I say, it just started recently because I've just started prioritizing it in my writing, but I was definitely peeping like the way the system was set up when I started going to or. Um, and like that was right when the zero tolerance policy started coming up. Um, so I was getting suspended for like weeks and weeks on end. Um, just for little things. What was that kind of formal policy just for folks who mm -hmm. didn't come up so zero tolerance, like myself? Yeah, zero tolerance policy is pretty much as it is zero tolerance. So the disciplinary system um, has these really rash consequences for really small offenses. Um, so I was suspended for, I think, six days 
And that was for using six cuss words when my phone got taken after school. Mm. Oh, so. like a day per, per curse word? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. We, uh, we, we might hopefully get, it, get into it a little bit later, but at the action we did last weekend, mm. I think it was Fresco was talking about, or high mm-hmm. school, and like yeah. they don't have a library, but they have a, a like a, a, a cell downstairs yeah. in the basement yeah. where they lock students mm-hmm. up. Can you like talk? Like, <laughs> and like I, I saw your reaction yeah. when she was saying yeah. that. Like, can you, for someone who's never seen that, and that was like mm-hmm. my first time. And like I try to look for how crazy the system is all the yeah. time. But I've never heard yeah. anything like that. Can you like elaborate? Yeah. And how you come to terms with that as someone stepping in? I mean, you'd been mm-hmm. here for a couple of years, but it wasn't like you. That becomes normalized when you come up through spaces like that. But when mm-hmm. you're stepping into it, it's jarring. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so at or high school, like, um, if you were late, which a lot of kids were, um, especially me, for some reason, I was always late. Um, but they would take you down to the basement. Thanks for being on time today. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. My punctuality is on in. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But they would take you down to the basement and like pretty much just lock you in a room. And we were like packed like sardines just in a room in the basement just for being late. And so we would miss our first class and we would sit down there and then they were just bringing in kids like by the loads just to be packed inside this small room. Um, Yeah. So when Fresco brought that up at the action, like it was instantly a traumatic experience that I I don't even think I acknowledged at the time. But like we were not treated well back there. Um, And I don't think it's gotten any better, really. Let's talk about the action a little bit since... Mm -hmm. Both of y'all are here. Um, you want to, Dame, just give a rundown of what went down? Because we were off last week, so we didn't get a chance to talk about it. Yeah, so so real <laughs> real briefly, um, you know, it's it's F12 <laughs> where I stand, right? So, you know, in this era of um, mass incarceration and this, like, newfound culture of resistance, like post-Ferguson, post-Trayvon, uh, the policing of black bodies is kind of like, it not kind of, is mm-hmm. the number one issue in our society. Um, and so just last Saturday, um, not just Chicago police, not just American police altogether, <laughs> but the international, uh, association of chief of police. So like 15, 16,000 cops okay. from all over the world, including like Israel and like, you know, they, they were, they were trading tactics, trading tools, trying to figure out how to increase, um, and intensify the police state. Um, so organizers from all over the country, um, came, to disrupt uh, through civil disobedience. Um, so Kush and I, as, as parts of uh, Black Youth Project 100, the Chicago chapter, um, helped in action where we locked in um, and people locked their arms in boxes or in like tubes um, and sat and held space for about two or three hours outside of this police. And we completely shut down traffic around McCormick Place as Rahm Emanuel and Superintendent McCarthy were like, trying to like look all good and welcome all of these mm. cops here <laughs> in this like crazy crazy time um so it was really a, a moving and very positive experience and, and and the message behind it was stop the cops so um you know there's an overspending like in chicago 40 percent of the budget goes to policing which is about four million dollars a day and when you think about um what's happening in the communities we are paying for them to police and how they have been structurally defunded for generations mm-hmm. uh it just doesn't make sense when you really think about it um if you were to invest that money in the communities um the problems that you are trying to fix with police would not mm-hmm. be so um so we were together uh 
and just standing up against that and trying to get people to fund black futures. Uh, so I'll, I'll leave. That was kind of like the intro. I'll leave it there, Kush, yeah. for like your personal experience, because uh, it was a really like trying yeah. and also like a, a, yeah. a, a stressful process, but very beautiful. I think cathartic by yeah. the time we finished yeah. it. Um, so you could talk a little bit about that and then we can go into like just kind of your work as an organizer overall. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the action, man. I needed the action. Um, and like when I think about stopping the cops to fund black futures, like I instantly have to relive my years at OR. I instantly have to think back to when I was teaching at Foreman High School on the West Side. And like I would walk up to the school getting ready to teach and like there would be a paddy wagon out in the front, um, like just waiting for the kids to get out of school. Um, so that was just like a reaffirmation, I guess, of the the things that are at stake, really. Um, like I have no choice but to be a part of this movement, but to be a part of this work because I live it, because my nieces and nephews are also a part of this system. And um, it would be a disservice to them if I did not do my job. Mm. <clears throat> Overall, as a as an organizer, what are some of the kinds of spaces you try to make, or the what are you excited about building as an organizer? Mm -hmm. I don't truly consider myself an organizer. Okay, okay, <laughs> that's why we left it out the initial intro. <laughs> what what? Well, you're you're there in those spaces. Yeah. So, what do you consider yeah. yourself? Uh, I consider myself to be a person who wants to see the world be better. Um, and especially like as a black person, as a person of color, as somebody who's immediately affected by these institutions, um, like it really is my duty to fight. That's so. a really important distinction. Like we did kind of assume that. Um, and I saw, I can't remember what it was, but it was like, it doesn't make you an activist to ask for clean water. Mm -hmm. Like that's just being a person. Right. Um, but as someone committed to that yeah. what kinds of stuff do you like <laughs> to make with people like what kind of community do you try to build and what yeah. are some of the ways you do that yeah um so I consider myself to be a womanist and a lot of my politics stem from that um what I do with that for the most part is try to create womanist spaces in the spaces that I live in um so I've been trying to get uh this initiative the lady church off the ground that i run true, with true true jasmine Barber. Yo, i first saw that i was like oh i want to go it was like it was like second grade when it was like the boys of the girls club oh it was God. like oh man i don't want to see what the girls over there talking about You're not not you. Day, not what is what, what is lady church lady church um is pretty much a healing space for women identified people um yeah yeah, and you guys get together. I'm just, mm -hmm. you don't have to give too much info if you want to keep it alive. The first down. rule about Lady Church yeah, do no, not talk said. about Lady Church. No, what's the second rule about Lady Church? <laughs> <laughs> don't talk about Lady Church. No, the second rule is Damon, you're not invited. <laughs> <laughs> no, Lady Church, um, we, we try to focus on healing and then ways that we can go about taking the practices that we uh, build inside the space to the outside world. So we would like to see a womanist world. Um, we discussed ways that that can exist. Um, we think about transformative justice. We think about um, struggles that we are trying to not become things that are inherited. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, a lot of planning goes on in that space. A lot of healing goes on in that space. A lot of deconstructing. Yeah. Was there any, uh, first of all, did you grow up in the church? 
I did. <laughs> yeah. So thinking about that as a, because all those things you just listed mm-hmm. happening there don't inherently have to happen in a religious right. context. <laughs> yeah. What is it about framing it around, you know, a Sunday morning or whatever that for you makes it more powerful, you think makes it more accessible for folks? Yeah. I think a more accurate name would be um, Lady Non-Denominational Church <laughs> of Worship. Um, but <laughs> um, yeah, just the fact that like it is a healing space. It is a place that we go to on Sundays to get free, um, to decompress, to prepare ourselves for the next week. Like the only place I ever knew how to do that was in a church. So. Uh, before we... Uh... Take a break and get to another song here on 88.5 WHBK. Um, something I've always appreciated. I don't know if I've ever even like said this out loud to you, but pretty much since I've like met you or been, been around you, I've always like learned a lot from you. Uh, whether it's like on stage, like you explaining some history before you do a poem or yeah. like just Twitter and the way you use that space or like just in a meeting, you know, you'll just like say <laughs> something ill. And I'm like, true, like y'all need to listen to Kush, you know? Um, but I think, I think um, the one thing that, that I've learned like explicitly the most that I could probably accredit to you uh, would be the idea of womanism that you mm-hmm. were just speaking of. Uh, and so I know that if I'm just like now getting to it, there's like a lot of people who yeah. still don't have access or, under- mm-hmm. or understand that concept. Yeah. Um, so can you give us like mm-hmm. a brief rundown on what that is? I think it's very important. Yeah. And I feel like people mm-hmm. will will benefit. Yeah. Um, so womanism is a term that was coined by Alice Walker. Um, and it is basically a term um, that's an alternative to feminism where like historical feminism, traditional Western feminism has always served white women. And so womanism serves women of color. And that also means that, you know, feminism has this really um, awful trope of like being anti-men. And we as women of color don't really have that privilege to say we can exist without our men because we are all in this together and everything that we do has to also be for them um, and vice versa. Like we want our men and our people as a whole, like to be a part of this movement. Um, so it's not just for us. And that's pretty much what womanism cir- circles, cycles, whatever the <laughs> around. <laughs> what it bounces around. Yeah, 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 yeah. On that point, and this is something I don't think I've ever asked this directly on the show, but we've kind of touched on it with other guests. Basically, like as someone who, you know, isn't here for the effery mm-hmm. with dudes in this moment and this movement, like, what are the ways that, like, what are a couple ways that basically we need to do better? The guys. <laughs> like, the the things that you see happen over and over again. I'm not saying it's on you to fix it, but, like, things you see. You don't see, have to speak for, like, all women. But just no, for, from <laughs> your view, what blows you the most? <laughs> like, the things that you see dudes do over and over and over and over again. You're like, dude, just please. <laughs> I really don't like when people who are men and male identified, tell me to smile. Mm. I really don't like being catcalled. I really don't like being harassed on the street by strange men. So please stop doing that. So how do you like, cause I feel you, right? Like we, we've had this conversation <laughs> in public before. I'm like, absolutely. For those who like, but it's just a compliment, right? Like how do you help them understand the line from like spitting game or trying to be flirty Mm-hmm. and harassment because I think that is a central misunderstanding. Yeah, I don't even think like like it's a really fine line and like sometimes I can pick up on it and you know respond 
um, politely. Um, but for the most part, like, I think that it's common understanding that women do not like to be spoken to by strangers in public. Um, like, whatever your intentions are. Like, first whatever first. your intentions are. Like, that's just not okay. And, like, you as a person, like, you as an individual might not have any malintentions. But, like, the kind of society we're living in, like, that's just not a safe space for women. So don't do it. You know? Yeah, so that's dudes on the street. I'm gonna push a little farther. Like, <laughs> how about guys who are, you know, supposedly allies in this? Like, mm. what are the things that people who are, you know, politicking the right way and saying the right mm -hmm. things? And you don't have to name names, obviously. Though you can, <laughs> we wouldn't mind. Um, if you want to go at them on Twitter right afterwards, we're happy to retweet. But the the things for people who are supposedly, you know on the right side of this mm -hmm. the, that you see them doing that are troublesome and ultimately like against the spirit of the work. Yeah. Um, I think that when I come into contact with people who call themselves allies, um, sometimes it's this like not all men thing um that sort of brings me back to like not all white people, not all cops. Like you as a man might not be, dangerous but you know the kind of um i guess connotation around you as a man is not safe for me um so what you can do as my ally as somebody who believes um in womanism is to not be quiet and to acknowledge the fact that your presence is dangerous to a lot of people um so don't be quiet on that acknowledge it don't be ashamed about it um yeah, not exclude ourselves from right. the conversation. On right. That. Yeah. It does apply to you. Like, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I think actually th those who try to say like the not all men argument mm -hmm. are dangerous, like mm -hmm. either pretending <laughs> or not knowing in a right. society like yeah. what's going on yeah. is like it's not danger. me. It's yeah. not my business, but it is your business. Wait, well, I think we, we're going to take a, a break from that note. And while we're talking about, you know, womanism and lady church and Sundays, I think <laughs> it's good, appropriate for a throwback <laughs> with the ultimate homie. Uh, she's dropping a new song today. We're on the lookout for that. But No Name Gypsy with the, the ultimate throwback Sunday hey. morning. Hey. Sunday morning and the birds are lovely. Sunday morning and the birds are lovely. Sunday morning and the birds are. All my raps whisper in intelligence. Unrelenting, irrelevant, chiseled in the sediment. Letterman on the late night scene. You don't know the half, Mr. Bubble Bath, Epitaph, Jaded in the Grass. What's that? A massacre, a mass appeal to Apple stores and raffle scores. I wonder who's gonna win the lottery. If Google Maps can see my house, yo, I wonder who was watching me. Satellite hypocrisy, like right up the block from me, right up the doctor fees. Another brown boy down, another mother crying because another brown boy found. And all you want to do is smoke weed and write songs. Bang, bang, sound like violence. Poverty was made to door frame all the violence. Knock, knock, and guess who's not there? The police. Sunday, Sunday morning, and the birds are lovely. Sunday, Sunday morning, and the birds are lovely. Sunday, Sunday morning, and my 
my mama love me and my granny love me and my only love me do. Close your third eye and look what you realize and look what you realize. Your water is privatized, your liquor is idolized, the government mastermind. Now that's the Illuminati and that's after your soul. Universal mind control, let me see you robot. Racism construct, let me see you robot. They would've ended war if war didn't make them rich. I ain't trying to help you smoke if you ain't trying to help me quit. Downtown dichotomy, I bet you I could politic. I could even paint Jackson where the Pollock sits. Baby rap mo, concrete satchmo, musicality, travesty. I'm a photo, shake me up. Like me glitter, like me thinner, recapped. Gingerbread snap, no opera or oxygen or darker skin. I'm the training ground for a rainbow. It's like pop pop skittle bag. Ask me where the riddle at, and I'll serve you riddling. Double coating and cinnamon, no harmonies, just synonyms. Sunday hymns, praise the Lord, and the drugs that raised me, baptized in saline. They found my parachute under the rubble. I found redemption under the tunnels. Don't get trapped. Sunday, Sunday morning, and the birds are lovely. Rappers, you need to do better because that is just incredible. <laughs> All of you go back to your notebook, cross out what you have, start revising, maybe listen to what No Name Gypsy drops this afternoon as a little bit of like inspiration. Uh, but that was Sunday morning. And that's just the old stuff, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like we got we got do 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 do. That's like three, four years old. That's the throwback. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They late if they try to catch up to that. <laughs> yeah, no, you got some work to do. This is Ergo. On WHPK 88.5 here in Chicago, ergoradio.com. We're here with Kush Thompson. Where? And let's uh, let's switch it up a little bit. We just uh, we taught oh, the people boy. some things, and we you know we were very <laughs> uh, humanist and positive. Right, right. But uh, we about that action here on Ergo, all right? <laughs> um, and so we're about beef. Uh, and there's been like one sect of the world, one sect of our culture that's been like impervious. To criticism, they they get away with so much, right? So we have this segment where we put our guests <laughs> on the spot, and you have to start beef with an R and B singer. What are you talking? Beef about? with an R and B singer. You gonna have to pick one from okay. any era. It can be nineties. It can be contemporary. It could be classic, classic R and B. Fifties. If you want to go doo wop beef, <laughs> but but you got to pick one rhythm and blues singer who's out here, who's bogus. Who need, we we call it about. I, I don't have to be a part of this. Yet. Oh, come <laughs> on, man. We, I, we need it. Okay, if, it, if you're not going to go R&B, let's just go music in general. Like one person who every time you hear or see them, you're just like, oh. I mean, okay. With the exception of Miley Cyrus, who used to be my favorite person in the world, um, I, I have a lot of beef with Taylor Swift. There we go. There we go. Yeah, I'll take that. So. I'll take that for sure. I don't even think we have to elaborate. I really don't. <laughs> like, really just don't. I'm curious though. What is it specifically? <laughs> I think that Taylor Swift gets away with a lot of like being the quote unquote non problematic white girl in the industry, um, but she's actually hella problematic. Yeah, so. I mean, you see that gif over and over again of her doing the little knee move, <laughs> the row of. I mean, maybe Beyonce. like that's just classic white girl behavior. But oh my God. I, I wish we had video of him just trying to do that. Though. <laughs> Did you see him hit the, hit the little? little uh, hit the my little peripheral droop. was like, please. If you're wondering why I do radio. <laughs> my so, God, T Swift, we're going at you. Yeah, no, I heard that she like petted uh, the weekend's hair at a oh, party. Wow. And I was like, oh, I was wow. waiting for oh, it. Wow. I knew like, something was wrong with you. <laughs> like something real was wrong with you. Oh, I knew yeah. it. So 
isn't it funny when you're just kind of like waiting for the thing to happen? <laughs> like, so quick side note, we were, I was on tour with the Breakbeat Poets book last week. Um, why, that's why you didn't have your usual Thursday ergo. Um, <laughs> and we were in Maine of all places and we're sitting there having breakfast and this very drunk man at nine o'clock in the morning comes over, but he's very friendly. He's like buying one of us drink, like uh, one of the members was flying back that day and they're like, you gotta be drunk for your flight. So he's like buying <laughs> drinks. It's like all great. Everyone's kind of laughing uneasily. And then the Mexican comment came. And we're oh like, oh, all right, there it was. We God. were just kind of waiting for it, you know? <laughs> That's interesting. Like, you don't have to talk about it specifically. Like, cause I think you get it. But like the idea that Miley Cyrus is your favorite growing up. She was my favorite. <laughs> and like, I feel that like it's, it's a little bit different. Because like Miley Cyrus is way more problematic. But... Mm -hmm. You know, I was like a huge Bow Wow fan growing up, you know. And like, Don't tell it, nobody else. That it's like, <laughs> he became just the wackest dude ever. But I'm like eight or nine when he was like 11 or 12 and he like had a chain and braids. I'm like, oh, this is this is where it's at. Um, oh, and then like No Lil Romeo for you? No, I, I was anti-Lil Romeo. He was, a, he was a biter, man. Bow Wow had the uh, Mickey Mouse. He came with the Bugs okay. Money chain. I'm like, come okay. on, man. You don't see Bow Wow going to ICDC? <laughs> so to tie it full circle though here. <laughs> yeah, we, we took a we took a, a, a hard left. <laughs> I'm just trying to talk about how you go out of love with your heroes, Kush. Tell me about it. <laughs> but on that on that line, the the characters that you're painting to go all <laughs> yeah. the way back to that. Were those characters that like you were watching in the '90s, like when you were a mm -hmm. kid? Yeah. So though you were like equally into them and into Miley at the same time. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> we can take multitudes out here on air. <laughs> No, Miley Cyrus was my favorite. Like, Hannah Montana was my stuff um, back in the day. Like, I have a VHS where, like, I just recorded, like, all of Miley's interviews about Hannah Montana. Oh, like, wow. all of her performances. Oh, wow. I was a supporter. You were intense. And then she broke my heart. Mm. So it's less beef and more just like a like like a Drake style. Heartbreak. I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. <laughs> oh, <that's perfect>. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we're having fun up here on <laughs> Go WHBK eighty eight five. Uh, you want to take it all the way back? Uh, but, but before we do that, I kind of want to um, talk a little bit more about like your actual step into like mm -hmm. poetry, poetry, the, you know, yeah. competing in the slams growing oh, up um, <laughs> and, and how that is, you know, facilitating you now serving as a teaching artist. Mm. Um, and, and so, you know, what was the moment of like, oh, I like doing this. I like people knowing that I do this. Yeah. And then where do you want to see that go? Um, hmm. So I, I started writing when I was in the second grade. And like it became like my way of talking, like my favorite poet, Patricia Smith, says that writing is the only throat many of us have. And like that mm. was the absolute truth for me because back in the day in elementary school. She just school, killed us with the quote. Oh. Drop it. <laughs> your quote game is also not like on your website too. Your quote game is crazy. I do what I can, y'all. <laughs> but Sorry, yeah, back in the day, like in elementary school, like I did not talk to anybody except uh, my family. So like at school, they thought something was wrong with me. They had this small program in the back of the uh, auditorium where they would take you to like make sure you weren't crazy and about to shoot up the school. Mm. Um, like they thought that that was me because I was so quiet. Um, and so I started writing and like during recess I would write. And so like where I'm at with it now is that that's still something for me, but it's like less and less for me. 
Um, it's like what I need because after Louder Than a Bomb, like you see how many people need to hear the stuff that you kept private for so long. Um, so now it's like, it's my duty. Like I don't even live for myself in a real way anymore. What do you mean by that? Like, is it less therapeutic mm -hmm. to work through those things? No, no, no. It is therapeutic. Um, but it's like, I can't be selfish about it anymore. Not in, not in a real way. Street mm -hmm. needs you. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> the, the kid, I mean, nah, but seriously. <laughs> how does that, if at all, change what you make, even within poetry, mm -hmm. but then also like moving into other media, which you do yeah. in other kinds of spaces? Like, is that a huge factor in what you choose to make and how you make it? Yeah. Um, I think when I say like, it's not something I can be selfish with, like it's not, it's no longer writing for writing's sake. Like, it's not just to write because I feel some type of way and I need to put it out somewhere. It's like, I'm writing this because I have nieces that are waiting for me to say something about this. Mm -hmm. Like, I have people that are waiting for somebody to say this so that they can feel okay. Um, and, like, that's what I needed. And so now it's, like, a cyclical thing. Like, I got it, and so I have to give it. Do you feel okay now? Oh, I feel all right. <laughs> I am PG. Right. <laughs> That's kind of amazing. Like, I don't mean just for you in particular, yeah. but like it did that work for you mm -hmm. and got you to maybe a different yeah. place yeah. and now trying to feed it back. Mm -hmm. So how does how does that like, you're saying like it's cyclical, mm -hmm. um, more from just like the artistic standpoint, but now you're actually like teaching, right? Yeah. And, and facilitating and mm -hmm. helping create these spaces for those yeah. who have come after you. How, how has that understanding that you just spoke of, of mm -hmm. like the necessity of it, yeah. how does that impact the way you do that work? Oh, I don't know. I don't, I almost want to say like, how could it not <laughs> impact my work? Um, so yeah, entering classroom spaces and like I teach in uh, classrooms that are primarily black girls. So like I carry all of this with me. Like it's never, it's like breathing now. Like it's not even, I'm making this conscious decision to be inspirational. It's like, nah, this is just something. Like even my presence alone, me entering a space where people, where the kids don't really see a black girl with pink hair in an authoritative position. True. Like my presence alone is doing that cyclical work so it's more about like just showing up and like not keeping all this to myself or not like I did this and so now I'm going to go be famous. It's like <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go back into the places where I grew up and like be that person that I didn't really see. Well, that is a central tension, right? Because mm -hmm. part of the idea for folks who make that choice, you know what, I'm going to try to get as big of an exposure as possible, <laughs> yeah. is it's like doing actually some mm -hmm. of the same work mm -hmm. saying you might not see me in a classroom, but they've never seen anyone who looks like me and says what I'm saying yeah. on television either right. or yeah. on, you know, the news either in a positive light. Mm -hmm. So it, it can work on different levels, but it's a little harder to not become phony <laughs> when you get up a little bit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that, that Chicago stuff. You know? Jeez, that, that. <laughs> what, what do you mean by that? I, mean, I know we're running low, but I'm going to dig in. <laughs> um, no, it was just a little joke we had. I was more messing with her because we were talking in the car of like just – the pressures of creating at this time. And like, I was kind of like, just talking about my own personal struggles. I just ended with like, and on top of it all, the Chicago-ish. And like, to that whole idea of like exposure and, and social <laughs> capital currency. Like, it's just a very weighted thing that I knew she 
understood <laughs> like <laughs> right off that when I was saying it. To be a conscious uh, rapper. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's why so many of them are trash. <laughs> you know, and then everybody's just trying to be. So, we're, we're like the like the intersection of like trying to be on and trying to be cool and laid back at the same time and like it just and trying to change the world you know and it just makes it just makes some weird interesting oftentimes inauthentic but like weird but loving loving things uh because i got love for the city <laughs> it's always love for the city but i think it's a matter of time for for our favorite game we're gonna catch our breath before we hear your words which i am always excited to do because like I say this, she's the best poet, like Absolutely. pretty much out. Like Kush is is, is top notch. Um, but we got a game for you, another one. We we, we like putting people in the spot. Yeah. Um so you've <laughs> you've blessed us and the people um with your with your strong young voice and taught us so much. Uh so now we're gonna put you to the test a little bit and we play this game called Let Me School You Youngin. Okay. So it works one <laughs> of two ways, right? You can either school the youngins, and that would be by we're about to play an old school song. And if you know who it is and know the name of the song, <laughs> you get to school the people. I told you I work <laughs> and if not, then you'll be the young and they got schooled and we will have imparted some knowledge to you. You were looking at the clock like, man, this hour isn't up yet. <laughs> Expose me. <laughs> so, with no further ado, uh, I can't remember what year this was, but it was definitely in the 70s. Uh, and that's all I'm going to okay. say. This is Air Go Radio. <laughs> Let me school you, young and Very specific. <laughs> Ergo Radio, let me school you, youngin'. So the beauty of this game is that it's so multidimensional because oftentimes, right, like you can recognize the song, but the, the putting you to the test is like, do you know it? So we heard you singing a couple lines, mm -hmm. uh, and, and let's see. What, go ahead, throw some out. What, what you think? What you think we working with, youngin'? Well, this is definitely I say a little prayer for you. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Um, I'm trying to like dig into my. Um, black R&B archives <laughs> to know who sings it, um, but it could really be anybody. I, it sounds like Aretha. Bang, 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 <laughs> bang, 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 bang. Out of nowhere with the W, <laughs> she was sitting here like, I'm not going to get it, I'm not going to get it, I'm not going to get it. And then, you know, that's like, the confidence wasn't there, but the idea was there. I guess. <laughs> Look at that. Do you have a prize for her? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we qualify for uh, a lifetime supply of uh, Lauren Hill's new Instant line. Well, you know well, she, well. She got a new Instant coming out well. 2017, 2018. We'll get them to you early, uh, but you qualify for that, so we'll let Please you know how that goes. And if you're trying to win, you can call in 1-800-242-9797. That's how 97 is called. That's hilarious. All right, so we go, we going to bring the energy back down. I'm so proud. <laughs> you back down? <laughs> we're going to bring it back to center. Uh, but I'm so proud of you. You schooled the youngins. Y'all got some Aretha today. Uh, 
And you have a piece for us? Can, can you bless us with, with a few words before we get out of here? While she's getting her notebook together, a oh, brief reminder. About the time. It's about that yeah. time. No, but really, November 14th is going to be great at the Silver Room, 7.30, all ages, free. Bring yourselves, bring your friends, bring your family. Don't be there. Let's see. Let's do the folks. We got we got Rick Wilson. Here, I got, got the I got the Malcolm fullest London. here. We got Raven Lene. We got John Doe. We got Jasmine Barber. We got Ray Jackson. Bella Baez, Christina Cologne, Christiana Cologne. That's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> Reginald Eldridge, Rick Wilson, Jasmine Barber, Malcolm London. Add to Raven Lene. Reps from. Black Youth Project, Asada's Daughters, the clothing brand Instrumental will be in the building. All Damon's free. Damon's family, including his mother, will be there serving drinks. It's fantastic. <laughs> yep, yep, it's Alan, don't, uh, don't tweet right now. <laughs> <laughs> but you should definitely come through November 14th. Find the event on Facebook. We, apostrophe G-O, we go. Get it because like it's worth Chicago. Yeah. Uh, a Chicago showcase and celebration. On that note, let's um, send it on back to Kush. What are we going to hear? Uh, it's a piece this here about uh, where I grew up in California and my transition to over here. This, we tiptoe. This, we flower in euphemism. The street has swallowed itself into border, into railroad track. This, where the bus line ends, this, where little boys bike across curfew and into eulogy. This, where board-slapped windows domino into mansions, runaway men into joggers. This, where Oak Park River Forest alumni rep Westside. Redlands East Valley, minstrels gangster day during spirit week. This, where the grass and the quiet lull mothers to sleep. <laughs> this, where your heart is not yet a restless telephone wire shackled to the ankle of everyone you have ever loved after sunset. This, where the news stations tell you everything you know about what lives across your street, outside of your living room window, at the end of your driveway. This, deliberate. This, abrupt. This, sloppy stitching. Here, you are exception. Urban, and articulate, the black friend that let them poke pencils through your kink that one time while you curled a trembling smile pretending not to be token or voodoo doll. Half house, half field, a Susie Carmichael or Huxtable, the black family in a white house ran north and bought the plantation. This all too familiar of being someplace, but not. You were raised on twice as good. Mama left the West Side when you were two. You were raised into Valley Girl accent. Your voice lost all of its skyline until you went to high school through metal detectors. You were raised on ditches and division streets. Here, where you were born before you were conceived. Here, where your cousin lives in the basement. Here is your first real boyfriend, the first tongue in your mouth and first call from the county. Here is the splintered wall your back will know. Here where you are no bourgeois success story, just lucky enough to slip through the cracks and make it to your front door each night. Here is where your ashes will be scattered. Here is your home six years from now. Here is your home 50 years ago. Here is your redemption skin, your corner store, your cornerstone. Here 
Is your grandma's house and dusted porcelain and stuffed bears on the living room walls here where everything grows without permission? Here where sunflowers rise from the potholes each and every summer? Chris Thompson. Hey. <laughs> yeah, and I have to apologize. I got caught trying to put you on Snapchat. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. And thank you so much for coming yeah. and being here with us today. Where can people <laughs> find you if you want them to find you <laughs> on the internet? And do you have anything coming up or they should look out for? Yeah, you can follow me at Cursed of Bones on everything, especially Tumblr. That's such a cool name. <laughs> Curse of Bones. Curse man, of is, Bones. That is dope. Thank, thank you. you so much for coming up. Ergo, we'll see you next week. Thursday with another amazing strong young voice from Chicago and beyond. Also look out for the We Go mixtape dropping next week featuring all these live on-air performances cut together. You can skip all the conversation, just get right to the art. It's pretty good. This is WHPK. Thanks so much for tuning in. See you next week. Much love.